Support comes from Empower Missouri's Week of Action with in-person and virtual advocacy training for affordable housing, criminal justice, and food security initiatives March 25th through 28th. Registration at empowermissouri.org WOA. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. Dennis Hancock prevailed in arguably the most important local contest of the 2022 election cycle. By prevailing in the 3rd District St. Louis County Council race, Hancock guaranteed that St. Louis County Executive Sam Page will not have a functioning majority on the council for two years. The Fenton Republican joins us on the latest episode of Politically Speaking to talk about what he wants to do on the county council and whether we'll see gridlock or compromise over the next couple of years. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. We have to talk about things that matter to people. I've tried to bring that same aggressive iconoclast style with me to uh, the United States Senate. I think my district is a model for the state. We put Missourians first. You just kind of have to find the common ground with people. I believe that this district deserves someone who represents their values. After I came back to St. Louis, I started thinking that I could have a bigger role on the change that I wanted to make. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me via phone, he is the winner of the St. Louis County Council's third district race. I'm Dennis Hancock. I'm the uh, incoming uh, county council representative from the third district. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Before we talk about the race that you ran this year, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do professionally or what you did professionally, what you did in municipal government, and why you decided to get involved in the zany world of St. Louis County politics. Well, I, uh, my political career started a little over 20 years ago. I was uh, uh, I ran for mayor of Fenton in 1999 and uh, wasn't successful in that endeavor, but uh, decided to uh, run again in 2001 and was, six, and was successful and then uh, served as the mayor of Fenton for the next 12 years. Uh, and then in 2013, I uh, decided it was time for someone else to take over and that uh, uh, I had uh, uh, done my time, and, and it was uh, you know, left things in a better place than I found them. And then uh, earlier this year, when uh, Tim Finch was drawn out of the third district, uh, I was approached by some some folks to uh, consider running. And after thinking about it, I uh, threw my hat in the ring, and and here, uh, as they say, here we are. So uh, yeah, and and the reason this race was so important was that, and obviously, council coalitions are often very fragile and change all the time, but it was widely seen that the winner of this contest was going to determine whether County Executive Page had four allies on the council or four people that were more critical of him. From talking with you before, you definitely fall more on the side of critical than allied. And so the fact that you beat Democrat Vicki England means that we're going to have a very different relationship between the county executive and county council over the next couple of years. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's that's probably a, a fair assessment. I think that 
you know, one of the things that I would hope is uh, knowing that he doesn't have four votes he can count on for every issue at every time. Uh, I would hope that the county executive would move closer to the middle uh, in some of his positions on some of the issues. Or, you know, maybe we can find some common ground where uh, the council can come together you know, on things that need to be addressed. I mean, we've got serious issues that are facing us in St. Louis County in terms of things like the budget, RAM settlement, those types of things that uh, are going to require some serious thought and, you know, and some some real, uh, uh, you know, looking into to try and determine what our best course of action would be. What is fascinating to me as somebody who has followed the county council for a little over a decade is that the third district has not been seen as a close competitive district up until very recently. Um, why do you think that this this race was also very close? I think you only won by two or three percentage points. Why do you think that this particular county council district is more competitive than it was four, eight, 12 years ago? Well, I think redistricting had something to do with that. I think that uh, and I think just the overall demographics of the county uh, had something to do with it. I, I, you know, St. Louis County is is uh, trending blue. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, there are still some significant pockets of uh, conservatives in West County and uh, South County. But uh, here in the central part of the county, I think there's a it's, you know, leans leans Republican, but it's becoming uh, more and more Democratic, especially uh, areas around Kirk, Kirkwood and De Pere and those areas. So you will be sworn in in early January. There's still things that the council needs to do going into 2023. I, I think the budget is one thing. What are kind of your expectations about what will be the major issues of discussion when you join the council next year? Well, I think that the RAM settlement is going to be one. Um, you know, we're hearing all kinds of rumors about, you know, wh- how much it's going to be, how, you know, what it's going to be spent on, what, you know, what's the possibility. You know, this is really once in a lifetime found money, if you will. And I think that, you know, we owe it to the constituents that we have in St. Louis County to be smart with that money and to make uh, an investment into the future of the county, not use it to solve a budget problem, a short-term budget problem. Uh, I think that, you know, at some point in time in 2023, we're going to have to start looking at our budget in 2024 and beyond and figure out what we can do to solve the systemic budget problems that have been uh, present in the county for well over 10 years. And, uh, you know, what can we do to solve those problems? And, you know, what, what does that mean? Does that mean we have to look at uh, reducing services? Does it mean we have to look at how we deliver those services? You know, there, there's a lot of different approaches there. Uh, one thing that I'm pretty confident that I can say, uh, you know, without sounding too much like uh, George Bush, is I have no desire to raise taxes uh, on, the, on the residents of St. Louis County. So I don't see that as, as, a, as a viable option as far as uh, solving the, the uh, county's budget issue. If County Executive Page puts forth uh, some sort of hypothetical tax increase, um, wouldn't that go toward to the voters first? Or would that be something that the county council would accept or reject before it goes into effect? 
My understanding is that there is room in the county's current property tax structure to uh, that the county is not at its cap in terms of uh, property taxes. So there there is room to maneuver the tax rate uh, within the between where it is now and what's been approved by the voters. Uh, I, I you know to me that's not the appropriate thing to be looking at. I, I think that. You know, voters or the taxpayers in St. Louis County are paying plenty in, in property taxes. They're paying, paying plenty in sales taxes. And I think we just need to look at, uh, you know, what are we spending that money on? And are, and are there ways to uh, reduce the uh, outlay of, of capital versus uh, looking for new sources of revenue? I know when I was the mayor of Fenton and we lost Chrysler, uh, we took about a 15 percent hit in our uh, uh, annual budget on the revenue side. Uh, but we didn't look at raising taxes at all. We, we looked strictly at the expenditure side. We're able to uh, reduce our budget by the appropriate amount, and uh, we're able to uh, uh, still function as a government and still provide uh, the basic services that our uh, residents uh, uh, are entitled to. So let's talk about something that you mentioned before, which is the RAM settlement. I'm pulling up an article from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that came out on November 10th, 2022 by Jacob Barker. And the board that oversees the dome at America's Center has, has voted to put the $500 million basically in an investment account. And I think that they are recommending that instead of like spending all that money right away, they wanted to create interest and they want to use the interest from that $500 million for, and, I, and I'm quoting here, to maximize the community benefit and have a transformative multi-generational economic impact on the St. Louis region. What do you think of that general idea? You know, I, th- I think this is, uh, you know, one-time money. And I think that Parking that money in a in a in an account that's going to draw a higher rate of interest than where it was is probably a good idea in the short term. Uh, as far as long term use of the money, my concern is, you know, who's going to determine what that use is? Who's going to determine where that money goes? Is it uh, you know is this another layer of government uh, or quasi government entities that we're going to have to you know, put together, and then who's who controls them? You know, uh, who are they responsible to? Uh, you know, as as an elected official, I'm responsible to the for the citizens of St. Louis County. Uh, I don't know who an appointed board is is accountable to, except other politicians. And so, to me, you know, I think we need to figure out, uh, you know, if there is a long term regional need that needs to be addressed, uh, you know, such as, I know one example was the airport, uh, the money, you know, the, the uh, uh, upgrades to the airport, you know, are there other regional infrastructure needs that can benefit the entire region? Uh, you know, that, and I know that the city uh, is of the opinion that they should get the lion's share of that uh, RAM settlement. I suspect the county's probably thinking they should be getting uh, a, a big chunk of it. But they're, you know, the region is much bigger than just St. Louis and St. Louis County. Uh, there are a lot of needs in the region that uh, I think we can uh, look at. Uh, where does that money go? And if that means some sort of a 
for lack of a better term, a blue ribbon commission made up of people from the city, people from the county, people from surrounding counties. Uh, I'd be open to that. Yeah, and you're, the the board that over that made this decision is the RSA, and it, it includes several appointees from the mayor of St. Louis, the county executive, and then from the governor. So it's kind of like a multifaceted board. Are you not confident that that sort of entity can oversee this money that is put into the investment account? Well, the, the, the concern I have is who's on that board five years from now and how are they appointed? And uh, I think that, that you know, when we start ceding government responsibility to appointed boards, we can get ourselves in trouble in a big hurry. Um, you know, like I said, as an elected official, I respond. I'm responsible to the voters, and I have to stand before the voters every four years and make my case. If uh, if I'm appointed to a board or a commission, and I don't have to re- to explain to the voters why I'm doing anything, uh, that that gets a little bit because uh, in reality, this is the taxpayers' money that we're talking about at the end of the day, and I think that that uh, the taxpayers should have representatives on these commissions or on this commission or any other commission that uh, would be accountable to them. Do you have any specific ideas about where you would want this Rams money to go? Well, like I said, I, I think the airport is one. As anybody who's flown in and out of St. Louis, uh, you know, over the last 10 to 20 years, our airport doesn't measure up to other airports of similar size and similar traffic. Uh you know, and I think that, you know, we've seen and heard from enough of our uh, business leaders over time that uh, would indicate that the St. Louis airport is a detriment to attracting new businesses here and uh, new employees here. I think we need to look at uh, our uh, educational infrastructure, you know, our, our schools, our, our universities. I think we need to look at you know what are you know what are the needs there to attract the workforce of the future, and I think we need to to look at you know is there a need on the economic development front to attract to attract uh, you know come up with a strategy for uh, marketing St. Louis not just a slogan, but a real marketing plan to attract businesses and retain the businesses that we currently have. I, you know we heard in the last couple of weeks that uh, both Centene. And uh, 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 who, uh, there's another one uh, that's, whose name escapes me at the moment. Oh, uh, Emerson are both looking at possibly, uh, you know, other locations for their headquarters. And so I think we have to, uh, you know, you know, look at really look at why are they considering leaving and. Uh, you know, if we can get them to stay, if we make the right investments to get them to stay, maybe we can then market that same approach to other commu- other businesses that aren't here uh, that, uh, you know, maybe this isn't a bad place to be. And, and, and keep in mind, like, the $500 million is not going to all go to the city and the county. Some of it is going to go to the entity that maintains the dome because they were right. part of it as well. Do you think that the amount of money that is available to use is really enough to do major things for the airport or to convince an entity like Centene or Emerson to stay here? Yeah, I think, you know, I think, it, you know, it certainly could be a, a nice down payment. 
uh, I think it's going to take a you know a concerted effort on the part of uh, county officials and city officials to really look at the you know the issues that are surrounding St. Louis City and you know the crime issues in the region and and those sorts of things. And what can we do? Is there's you know can we use some of this money to uh, address some of those issues? Um, you know or uh, you know, because I think what what people are concerned about is that it's all going to go into the city, and then you know, ten years from now we're going to wake up one morning and go, "What happened to all that money?" And we don't have anything to show for it. And I think that that the uh, uh, you know we need to understand that you know the city is the region's problem to solve. It's not just the city's problem to solve. And so you know, because the, the city affects the region, and it affects. Not only St. Louis County, but it affects St. Charles County, it affects Madison County, it affects the counties on both sides of the river. And I think we, we have to recognize that and do what we can do to make sure that uh, this, you know, the city is successful, that the county is successful, that surrounding counties are successful. And if we can do that, then you know, everybody wins. But I think it's going to take uh, a long-term vision. I think it's going to take a long-term investment to do that. We'll be right back on this episode of Politically Speaking with Dennis Hancock. And we're back on Politically Speaking with Dennis Hancock after January 2023. He will be the third district St. Louis County Council councilman um, for a, a district. We didn't talk about like what the district actually entails. Can you just explain to our listeners like what cities you're going to be representing on the council? Sure. Yeah. If you look at a map of uh, St. Louis County, basically the district is sort of in a rectangular shape uh, going from the Jefferson County border up to Olive. And then uh, on the east side, just a little bit east of uh, Lindbergh and Kirkwood Road. And then on the west, uh, a little bit west of uh, Highway 141. So kind of that south central uh, chunk of the county, if you will. And that includes of cities like Fenton, Kirkwood, Valley Park, uh, Town and Country, uh, parts of uh, Creve Coeur, a little sliver of Chesterfield, and so it's it's um, you know there are a lot of uh, municipalities that are part of the uh, of the district as well as a, a fairly sizable amount of the district that's unincorporated. So let's talk about public safety and crime. It's my understanding that Fenton, for example, uses the St. Louis County Police Department for its police service, as does a number of cities throughout the county. Um, but there are also some municipalities that have their own police departments in, in the 3rd District. What's generally been the, the feeling about how the county police department is operating now and, and what sort of things need to be done to make sure that it's operating at its best, I think that you know overall the the perception of St. Louis County Police is pretty positive. I know in our case uh, in Fenton, uh, you know we contracted first contracted with St. Louis County in 1995, and so it's we're going on nearly uh, 30 years now of uh, of our contractual relationship with St. Louis County, and it it. Uh, cost-effective way of, of doing business. It's it, uh, you know, we're shielded from some of the things that uh, you know smaller municipalities with their own police forces uh, tend to deal with. You know, where you have 
uh, as I used to say, you know, and this is no nothing disparaging on small police forces, but when you have, uh, you know, St. Louis City, St. Louis County, and other entities drawing, uh, you know, trying to attract uh, recruits from the police academies, well, the bigger p- police forces that, that pay better are going to get the, the better choice of uh, recruits. Uh, when you get down to some of these small cities uh, that don't pay very well, uh, I think that the quality of the policing they get uh, is, uh, is is lesser. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, there are uh, a lot of examples around over the years of, uh, you know, where local police uh, officers have done things they shouldn't have done. Uh, you don't hear a lot of that coming from the St. Louis County Police Force. Uh, I think that uh, they're you know well trained. Uh, their leadership is is top notch, and I think that uh, uh, you know we uh, uh, should be uh, very very uh, happy that we have uh, you know the cal- the caliber of a police force that we do here in St. Louis County. It's been about five years since county residents approved Proposition P, which was a 0.5 cent sales tax for public safety. I remember pretty vividly that then County Executive Steve Stanger said this was going to be transformative for public safety in St. Louis County in the region. But I look at crime statistics and it doesn't really seem like putting more money toward public safety writ large has caused crime to go down substantially. Is it time to maybe just admit that Prop P hasn't really worked as intended and maybe it's time to think of other ways to spend that money that's coming in to the county? You know, I think that, you know, part of the issues that, you know, we had and, you know, Steve Stanger was one of the issues that we had. Uh, and I don't want to relitigate that whole thing. But the, the you know, I think the fact that we're now, uh, we've now broken ground on a couple of new police precincts that will, uh, uh help uh, house our uh, police officers, give them state-of-the-art facilities to work out of. I think that helps. I think that uh, there are things that, uh, you know, that need to be done. I think one thing that would be very helpful would be to standardize the uh, uh, radio dispatching that's done amongst all of the law enforcement agencies as well as fire departments in the county onto, uh, you know, the same frequencies so that they could talk to each other in the event of a, of a uh, large-scale disaster. Uh, you know, the, they, today they can't talk to each other uh, without, you know, calling somebody and saying, hey, call, call somebody over here, and then, you know, it just, it, it's not efficient. So I think there, there's, there are things like that that can be done with the Prop P funds as well. Uh, you know, as far as adding police officers, I think that, uh, you know, a larger police presence helps reduce crime. I, I just, I, I don't know how it doesn't. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, if, if uh, someone is, uh, I, I know that, you know, there's a lot of discussion around reallocating resources and putting more emphasis on, on uh, social services as opposed to uh, law enforcement. But the reality is until we get crime under control, and I'm not talking about, you know, taking it to zero because I don't think we'll ever get there. But I think if we can, can at least 
keep it from uh, from uh, expanding and uh, you know find a way to uh, you know, reduce the need for that people feel to commit crimes and you know part of that comes in you know with economic development and jobs that if somebody's working and has a full-time job and can support their family they're going to go looking for easy money uh, you know if they uh, can you know have a, access to a better education uh, I don't think they're going to be as likely to uh, look for a, a life of crime to uh, support themselves you know, I, don't, I I just think that uh, you know we if we're when we're talking about reallocating resources or you know using the defund the police uh, mentality uh, I think that you know most people until you know are, are of the mind that you know if somebody's you know pulled a gun on them to just take their wallet um, they don't really care if a social worker shows up or not they want they want a police officer and I think that you know the other thing that we need to recognize is that crime is a regional problem it's you know the just because we have rivers and bridges doesn't mean crime can't cross those rivers and bridges mm-hmm. and we see it all the time I, I mean my wife's car was broken into on our driveway one night mm-hmm. uh, you know and and you know, we live in what I think most people would consider to be a pretty safe area. But, it, it you know, it's those are the types that, you know, it, people are being affected all over the county by it. And so we need to address that. Well, you actually transitioned into another question I was going to ask anyways. I know that uh, merging city and county has been kind of a hot third rail issue for like 100 years. But one of the things that seems to make some conceptual sense is, better cooperation between the city police and the and the county police and i don't know if that includes like literally merging them into one entity but would you like to see more standardized and more working relationships between those two entities given that as you mentioned crime is not doesn't just stop at the city county border yeah i think there's there are probably things we can do i don't know you know, if if we want to go down the road of a of a merger of city and county police uh, departments or public services or any of that stuff, I just I think that that you know there are things that that can are being done cooperatively, and I think there are probably some more things that can be done cooperatively. One of them again is is a, this notion of you know giving them the opportunity to at least communicate directly with each other. Uh, you know, I think that that. That would help uh, at least, uh, you know, to uh, coordinate efforts uh, on some of these things. I think that, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, the, the, you know the, the notion of, you know, police chases is, is always a double-edged sword because so many, you know, the, the criminals don't seem to care that they're being chased by police officers and they're going to create as much havoc as they can. Uh, trying to get away, and so a lot of innocent people get get uh, pulled into those types of things. With you know, and, and uh, uh, so I, I think that that's that's a, a, a thorny issue to address, but it's one that uh, you know I think uh, could be done on a regional basis. I think that that we have to look at uh, you know what's the benefit for everybody involved in doing that uh, to doing some sort of a departmental cooperative agreement, if you will, 
uh, as opposed to an outright merger of the two. I'm not sure uh, politically how you would how you would uh, or logistically how you would pull that off. Yeah, I think that I think that especially since the demise of Better Together, there has been some talk about St. Louis City joining the county as a municipality. I think that some people bring up that idea as, oh, this is just an easy idea that can just be done without much trouble. And I I think that that is wishful thinking because that also includes like merging a lot of departments in the city into the county. So, for example, the city and the county have separate recorders of deeds. So you would have to merge that entity into one. Same with like revenue collecting and a whole bunch of other things. But I could see some benefit to the city of doing that because then they would be within a larger entity that could maybe channel more resources to deal with some of the the problems there. Um, but uh, what, what's kind of your your general thought about that idea? Well, I think there there are several different things to consider in any sort of discussion around the city and the county. First of all, the city actually is a county as well. It's its own county, and it has its own county offices, such as the sheriff and the courts and those sorts of things. So that all has to be addressed as well. It, it's not just, you know, the city now is part of the county. Uh, the I think that, uh, you know, as far as the mechanics of doing it, I think that uh, my personal opinion is it become, the, the city would become as presumably it would become the what, 90th municipality in the county, which means that it would become part of the sales tax pool, which means that it would pull the lion's share of the sales tax revenue that currently is going to a lot of the municipalities in St. Louis County. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, from a uh, practical perspective, I don't think that that uh, would, would work very well. And I think that, uh, you know, there, there would be a huge amount of opposition, uh, both from the, from residents of the city and residents of the county, uh, yeah. to making that happen. So I, I, I really don't think that, uh, it's likely that that's going to happen anytime, anytime soon. And also the other thing that you would probably have to do is you would probably have to make the county council larger because, it seems like, I mean, you could probably still have a seven-person county council with the city in it, but that's awfully small, and that would mean that you all would be representing districts that are 200,000, 250,000 people, which would be pretty unprecedented throughout the state. Well, and and as a Republican, uh, not to bring partisan politics into it, but uh, basically if uh if you bring the city in with the uh political demographics that would come with it uh the county would never see a republican or, or any sort of republican uh input into any council decision or into the county executive's office ever again <laughs> yeah but i mean i mean to be fair like it doesn't seem like republicans are going to win countywide races anyways I mean, we just saw we just saw someone like Sam Page who has a lot of detractors and he still ended up winning I don't know by five or six percentage points I, I I'm not seeing a path for Republicans to win countywide races unless you have another opinion about that well I think that you would my my sense is you have to look at what else 
brought people out. And, you know, I think uh, legalizing marijuana had a big impact on, on uh, uh, the uh, turnout. Uh, I think that, and I think it had a big turnout, a uh, big impact on the side of those folks who are probably of a more liberal persuasion. Uh, and they tend to vote Democratic. I think that, that uh, you know, the, I think, I think the right candidate in the you know in the right circumstances, meaning that you know the sun, moon, and stars all align, I think it's possible. I mean, the Republicans have come close several times uh, in the last you know ten years or so. Uh, uh, Bill Corrigan was close uh, when he ran. Uh, Rick Stream only lost by like fifteen hundred votes right. when he ran. Right. And so, so I think I think the right candidate could do uh, you know could bring a, a coalition together. Uh, of uh, you know centrist Democrats and centrist Republicans, uh, and uh, actually uh, uh, pull it off. My my final question though it it does involve like what happened with the Republican situation for county executive because I think Mark Montavani did as good as he possibly could under the circumstances, but the the brutal truth is like anybody who gets the nomination for something like county executive with what like. 50 days, 45 days, a very short amount of time was always going to have a lot of limitations. And I I look at what happened in that primary where Shamed Dogan lost to Catherine Pinner and Catherine Pinner was clearly not a viable candidate, yet Republican primary voters still voted for her. Do, do, Do St. Louis County Republican voters writ large have issues with strategic decision-making? Yeah, I, I think that there's a, uh, a lot of pieces uh, in that went into what happened there. I think uh, part of it was, uh, you know, that Shamed could have run a better campaign. I think that uh, he did not see Catherine Pinner as a viable uh, competitor. And I think he, he didn't spend hardly anything, you know, re- uh, realistically, on his campaign. And I think that was a mistake. I think that, because I think Shamed would have been an excellent candidate for us to run with. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, you know, there were there's an element in the Republican Party, and it's not just in St. Louis County, it's everywhere, who are going to uh, look for someone who is not just, you know, uh, like you know, as a small government person, but as a no government person, and I think that that uh, Catherine Pinner may have t- tapped into some of that. I think that uh, you know, but uh, I think that uh, Mark Montavani, uh, given the circumstances, was probably the best candidate we could have possibly come up with. Yeah, uh, and I and I think that uh, he, you know, for him to get as close as he did. Uh, in the short period of time that he had to put a campaign together uh, and raise money and do all the things you have to do as a candidate, I think he, you know, it was an outstanding effort on his part. Yeah, and, do you, do you, uh, I was going to say if he, if they, if Carson Penner had not withdrawn, and Mark Montavani has n- did not step in there and force Sam Page to spend money on his own race as opposed to your race, do you think you would have won? Because I think you would have lost if. If Catherine Penner was the nominee, well, the last reports I looked at, my opponent had nearly five times the money that I had in the campaign. 
So I, I, you know, I don't know how much more they could have possibly spent, but uh, you know, I think that uh, you know the the fact is, you know, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. I think good candidates, you know, with the right messaging and the right uh, uh, appealing to the right voters. I think they can win, and I, I think that had a lot to do with my victory. Uh, I, you know, as as someone who said from the beginning, you can't be you can't be a candidate if you don't have an ego, uh, just because you're telling everybody that you're the best person for this job. And but I think that that uh, you have to be able to uh, separate yourself from that ego, and you know, position yourself in a way that uh, you can appeal to the the broadest possible uh, group of voters, and I think we were able to do that. You know, and, and uh, you know, I don't want to say we didn't have enough money. We got enough money to get our message out, which is really all you need to do. And so, you know, more money on my side wouldn't, you know, the message still would have gotten out, and it would have been exactly the same message. So, I'm not sure, you know, how much more money you know, would have made that big of a difference. But it was nice to know that. Uh, uh, at least, uh, you know, uh, the county executive had to pay attention to his race. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back when you're actually in office. Uh, Politically Speaking is a product of St. Louis Public Radio, which is a part of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. You can follow me on Instagram at Jason Rosenbaum. You can also follow me on Twitter if Twitter still exists on Jay Rosenbaum. Is there any social media apparatus that you would suggest that people follow to follow your adventure through county government? Well, I'm an old guy, so I'm still on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is not collapsing in on itself because I guess its billionaire owner is not trying to make huge changes to it impulsively right now. Right. Uh, but right. That, that is another story for another day. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is Politically Speaking. If you have a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio.